millennia. I am very partial to the name Mordechai, not only because that was my father's name, but also because four of my grandsons, may they live and be well, also carry my father's name of Mordechai. Since we started learning Megillah and Dafyomi this week, obviously the name of Mordechai HaYehudi will, will be repeated often, as Rashi already alludes to it on yesterday's Daf, page 4 in Megillah. Mordechai is also the name of the commentary found in the back of most Talmud volumes. Written about 750 years ago, Rav Mordechai ben Hillel Ashkenazi lived immediately after the time of the Balitosvos, grandchildren of Rashi and others. In his writings, Rav Mordechai numbers each paragraph or portion in numerical order within each Seder of Shas. For Seder Nazikin, as an example, he starts with Aleph number one for Bavakama, the first Masechet in Nazikin, and ends with Tuf Tuf Samach Beis, number 862, at the end of Masechet Avodah On yesterday's Daf Yomi, page four in Megillah, the Mordechai quotes earlier Rishonim on the issue of whether on Purim one fulfills his obligation to read the Megillah if he reads it by himself, meaning not with a quorum of ten men. While there are different opinions, what struck me was that the paragraph number in the Mordechai that discussed this is 5,782, our current year, in which we are studying this page of the Talmud and in which this commentary is found. I don't believe in coincidences. Everything has a meaning. To me, it is simply amazing that three-quarters of a millennium after Mordechai wrote this exposition, Mordechai Ashkenazi, Harav Mordechai Ashkenazi, it would be studied in the year that corresponds to its paragraph number. Last Shabbos, we read that after Yosef revealed himself to his brothers in Egypt, Yosef and his brother Benjamin embraced and cried on each other's neck. Rashi explains that Yosef cried for the two temples in Benjamin's territory, that would be eventually destroyed. And Binyamin cried for the tabernacle in Yosef's territory that would be demolished. Rav Kroll, a Jerusalemite rabbi whose shiurim my father attended, asks why did each cry for the destruction of the structures in the other's territory and not for the destruction in their own territory? Rav Kroll explains that anyone can cry for their own losses, but it takes someone special to cry for someone else's losses. This is a lesson of Yosef and Binyamin, who were such special people. Rav Biederman quotes Hassam Sofer on this episode. Yosef's revelation to his brothers took place on Shabbos, since Yosef had previously commanded his servants to prepare a large feast, a Shabbos meal for his guests, Yosef's brothers. But if it took place on Shabbos, how could they cry in mourning for the holy temples? On Shabbat, it is forbidden to demonstrate any mourning. Hassam Sofer explains that they were not crying in mourning, but rather for this. They foresaw the temple's destruction and our exile, but they also saw that 2,000 years later, we would still be encouraging one another, fearing heaven, observing the mitzvot, studying Torah in great numbers, returning to Eretz Yisrael, and anxiously awaiting the arrival of the Mashiach and our redemption. Theirs were tears of joy, not sadness, and thus they were more than permitted to cry on Shabbat. If we study Mordechai's commentary three-quarters of a millennium after he wrote it, and we observe the mitzvot and learn Torah two millennia after being exiled, we are certainly a special chosen people whom God will soon redeem. Shabbat Shalom.